Welcome to the Talking Immigration Podcast. Immigration is a complex issue. Most of us have strong emotions, but don't actually know the details of how immigration actually works. In this podcast, I interview immigration experts to teach us about the types of immigration, limits, costs, enforcement, and more. I'm Katarina, your host. Let's talk immigration. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Aaron Reichlin Melnick. Aaron is policy counsel at the American Immigration Council, where he works primarily on immigration court issues and the intersection of immigration law and policy. He's active on Twitter, explaining immigration policy in real time. And today we're talking with him all about Title 42. So, Aaron, thanks for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. So it seems that for advocates, Title 42 has been one of the most frustrating immigration policies in the last half year or so. But even for those who don't follow immigration, I would bet a good number of people have at least heard vaguely of Title 42. And even so, I'd like to proceed as though we know nothing. So to get started on a really basic level, for those of us who don't have any law background, what is Title 42? Like, is it a law? Title 42 refers to 42, uh, Title 42 of the U.S. Code, Section 265 which is a public health law that the Trump administration invoked last year when it issued an order effectively shutting the border to all people crossing. Um, The Trump administration says that this health law was justified by a threat due to COVID. But importantly, uh, you have to keep in mind that there were very many people who crossed the border through normal channels, through airplanes, ports of entry, and others who were not affected by this rule. So when we talk about Title 42, we are talking about specifically the practice of uh, a a policy that allows the Border Patrol to turn away people who come to the border seeking protection. And very specifically, our land borders. So is is it just our southern border, but does it also apply to the northern border as well? The Title 42 policy originally only applied to the southern land border, but a later subsequent version of the policy did, in fact, block individuals who are coming through other parts around other parts of the country. Okay, and so it is, in fact, a law and carries the same weight as a law. And so enforcement wise, you mentioned it's enforced by Border Patrol. So I should be I should be clear, it refers to a law, but the policy itself is a policy enacted under this law. So it's not that Congress passed a law saying all people crossing the border must be turned away. It's that the Trump administration took this uh, public health law that hadn't been used for over a century and said, we think that this health law gives us the authority to do this. Because it's a health policy, I would assume that Health and Human Services or some part of the health sector of our government would have the responsibility to regulate it. Is that not the case with this? That's right. So technically speaking, this policy is in effect uh, because of an order issued by the Centers for Disease Control in March of last year. Now, we actually know quite a lot about the policy and how it came about. And we know that actually it wasn't something that it was science first. As a matter of fact, it actually is the case that the Trump administration pushed the CDC to issue this order over the objection of career scientists. And so there's a lot of politics that were involved in this process because 
And everyone involved recognized, at least early on in the process when it was put in place last year, that this was not a decision being driven by public health. This was a decision being driven by the White House from on top. And it's it's still currently active, correct? And And so since it was put in place by the president, is that who has the power to end it? Is it Biden right now that has that power and not not Congress, not Health and Human Services, or or would it be? the? It's Center for Disease Control. And the Center for Disease Control has the authority to start Title 42 and had the authority to end it. And when I say, to be fair, when I say it had the authority to start it, I want to be clear about one thing is that there is a lot of disagreement among public health experts about whether or not Title 42 is justified. Um, there are very strong indications that we actually don't need to expel refugees and others who are coming to the border rather than processing them under normal immigration law because we have longstanding um, laws that say that refugees and asylum seekers should be treated in a specific way. And it was a choice to spend all the investment into expelling people rather than actually taking the time and the opportunity to figure out a way to process people safely. Instead, we had the situation where the Trump administration decided, and the Biden administration has as well, to spend most of the resources on border enforcement rather than actually finding some ways to stand up quarantine facilities or other locations where people could be um, given uh, the ability to socially distance or quarantine or in, in other ways avoid uh, the necessity to sort of expel people to prevent them from contracting COVID. Do we have data on COVID for immigrants who come to the border? Is that something that we did start or have started collecting information about? There is some anecdotal data on this from a series of uh, things take put in place across the border. When the Biden administration began allowing some people to re-enter, to enter the United States, they required people to get COVID tested by state and local governments. And what we found out as a result of this is that most of the individuals who were tested did not have COVID. Um, COVID positive rates were usually in the anywhere from 7% to 15%, which um, at the time was about what the case positivity rates were in South Texas. So importantly, uh, there isn't any indication that migrants pose some sort of special risk to COVID. At, at the time when the Biden administration actually first started letting people in, they were giving a few hundred people a day. And the number of people who tested positive, for instance, in all of February was uh, about 100 people, which by comparison, there were thousands of people testing positive every single day in the United States. So what exactly does Title 42 say? It's a health law that basically gives authority to the Border Patrol to turn people away based on keeping people safe from COVID specifically. Does it only apply to non-citizens? Are there any exceptions to the Title 42? That's a great question, because actually one of the more dangerous things about Title 42 is that the Trump administration, as well as the Biden administration, has maintained the position that they could use Title 42 if they wanted against U.S. citizens. Because the actual law, what it says is that, offensively, the director of the Centers for Disease Control may, quote, suspend the introduction of individuals from a country uh, where an infectious disease is present. And 
they have interpreted that authority to allow themselves, if they wanted to, to turn away U.S. citizens. But they have said, oh, as a matter of executive discretion, we have simply chosen not to. That's a really dangerous thing to hear the government say. We could, if we wanted to, deport U.S. citizens, but we have chosen not to. And in fact, if you actually go back and look at the history of this law, the law dates back to the 19th century at a time when the primary ways that people were entering the United States that Congress was concerned about was through ships arriving, you know, and that would sometimes be required to wait outside the United States. And that makes more sense than when you talk about suspending the introduction of someone. Sure. Well, it makes a lot more sense than when, when you're actually talking about in that situation is stopping a ship from landing or stopping a train from crossing a border or a, a stagecoach from entering at a crossing point. You're not actually talking about people who have already physically crossed into the United States and have been apprehended by the Border Patrol, a thing that didn't even exist at the time when this law was created. And so there's a lot of good arguments. The law doesn't actually give the government the authority to do what they're doing, which is taking people who have already been on U.S. soil, sometimes for hours, sometimes in in some cases for days, and either sending them to Mexico or putting them on planes and deporting them to their home countries. And, And it makes sense in those times that, as you mentioned, if a ship is full of some sort of disease, you don't want people to come in and introduce that versus the way travel works today is so different. Um, and, and we have so many more resources, as you had mentioned before, to potentially quarantine, test people. So practically, the way Title 42 works, can you explain it? You mentioned some people are already entered, they're apprehended, and then just turned away. Is that essentially how it is in practice? Yes. So what happens is the Border Patrol apprehends individuals and uh, or people come to the border and say they cross the border and they turn themselves into a Border Patrol officer. So pretend this is like a family that's seeking asylum. In that particular situation, the person would turn themselves into the Border Patrol and the Border Patrol officer would then take their fingerprints, process them, and then if they were Central American, simply turn them over to uh, the Mexican government and just take them to a bridge, physically walk them to the center of the bridge and you know, give them a little shove on the back and say goodbye, walk back into Mexico. When the Trump administration was expelling unaccompanied children, um, they were putting them on planes and deporting them back to their home countries. And that was because the Mexican government has said it will only allow the U.S. government to expel people to Mexico if they are Mexicans, Guatemalans, Hondurans, and Salvadorans, and they're not unaccompanied children. So from the very beginning, Mexico said, we will not let you expel unaccompanied children to our country. Um, Nevertheless, unfortunately, the Border Patrol um, decided rather than allow unaccompanied children into the country, that they would instead expel unaccompanied children to their home countries via plane. And oh. nearly 16,000 unaccompanied children were expelled prior to a federal judge blocking the practice and saying it was illegal. When did that happen? Uh, that happened in November of last year. And so if you heard someone say, oh, the Biden administration changed how unaccompanied children were processed, that's actually not really correct. 
What happened was in November of last year, a federal judge said expelling unaccompanied children under Title 42 is illegal. You are not allowed to take an unaccompanied child who arrives at the border, a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old, stick them on a plane, send them back to their home country without letting them seek protection. Um, And then nine days after President Biden took office, a appeals panel from the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, three of the actually most conservative judges that Trump appointed in the entire time in office on the D.C. Circuit, put that court order on hold. And that put the Biden administration in a bit of a bind. They could choose to then go back to the practice of expelling unaccompanied children, or they could instead choose to continue and uh, change Title 42 in some ways, change the policy and allow unaccompanied children to continue coming into the country without being expelled. And they did the right thing and they chose to exempt unaccompanied children entirely from Title 42. And I think that is uh, something that's been a lot very kind of confused because the actual status quo didn't change. What changed was how unaccompanied children were being treated. Um, And that changed in November. So uh, the sort of the source of the reason for not expelling unaccompanied children changed. But the actual practice of unaccompanied, not expelling unaccompanied children is the same as it's been for a while now. Are there any other exceptions to Title 42? There are humanitarian exceptions, um, supposedly. Uh, And in fact, in some cases, some individuals are not expelled. There is also uh, a a way in which, because they recognize they have to follow the Convention Against Torture, where individuals can say, I'm worried about being tortured if you send me to my home country, and and they're supposed to get some form of screening, but that applies to less than 1% of all people crossing the border. Oh, wow. And and essentially, that's at the discretion of the Border Patrol who's doing the apprehensions. Is that right? Entirely correct. It's all at the discretion of the Border Patrol. And so... The border is, in fact, no way open, right? Like because of Title 42, unless you are an unaccompanied child or you have this humanitarian exception, which affects very few, you will be turned away by this order. Is that sort of the blanket policy of what's happening at the border? Yes, with the exception of uh, some families. And that is specifically because uh, thanks to a order by the Mexican uh, government, or not necessarily an order, a policy by the Mexican government um, that sort of went into place only a few days after President Biden took office, which is slightly suspicious timing. Um, The majority of families can't be expelled because Mexico won't take them back. And we choose not to send them on a plane like we had for a short time with unaccompanied children. That's right. There are not enough planes, not enough jail cells, and not enough Border Patrol officers to do it. Um, when we talk about things happening at the border, there's always a thing we have to recognize is that despite what the Border Patrol may say, they, they don't have unlimited resources. And there's quite a lot of things, decisions that they make because they actually can't do anything else. And so the families that are being let in, that's just at the discretion of Border Patrol based on resources? It's, is yes. it kind of luck? <laughs> It is luck, and it's not how a functioning system of border management should work. Right, right. What is most problematic, essentially, anyone who is trying to claim asylum or trying to escape a situation of persecution, they are not being allowed to make those claims. Is that correct? 
with the exception of those who are now not being expelled. So by in this, that's important because by the second month or so of the Biden administration, uh, the majority of families were getting through. Okay. And indeed, early in on in the Biden administration, we reached a point where, in fact, most families were getting through. Uh, simply, again, because the Biden administration did not have the capacity to expel all the families. And at Joe Biden's first press conference, he said very clearly, if I could expel all the families, I would. But however, he can't. You all at the American Immigration Council have a really helpful fact sheet online about Title 42 that makes the point that Title 42 is not actually decreased the number of people coming to the border, but has actually increased border arrests. Can you explain? how that is and maybe update us on some of the current numbers, maybe maybe with a little context of if, if they're high or low compared to previous years. Yeah. So when we talk about Title 42 increasing the number of border apprehensions, that's because under Title 42, individuals are not actually issued deportation orders as opposed to in the past. And instead, they're simply sent right back to Mexico, where if they're not seeking asylum and instead they are a more traditional economic migrant, or what I like to often just call people seeking a better life, they can then try again um, two, three, four times. And it's taken it so that the, the primary concern that people have when crossing the border is not what will happen when the Border Patrol apprehends them. It's the dangers of the journey itself. Because if the Border Patrol apprehends them, they will simply send them back to Mexico where they can try again if they feel like it. And as a result, the number of people crossing the border multiple times has gone up significantly, something that Customs and Border Protection itself acknowledges is a consequence of the Title 42 practice. Um, And last month, for instance, 38% of all people apprehended last month had previously crossed the border in the last year. This was at least their second try. And for all we know, for some people, this was their third try or their fourth try or their fifth try. Because for those that can afford to take the risk and and expose themselves to the danger of the crossing multiple times, the Border Patrol has effectively ended any sort of consequence for those individuals because the consequence is simply they're taken right back to the port of entry and they um, lose whatever money they paid to a coyote or um, potentially in many cases, they have risked their lives in the crossing because they're going through dangerous desert and other places. But there isn't a deportation order. And if they're not Mexican, if they're Honduran or Salvadoran, they're not actually put on planes and deported back to their home countries, which is what was happening before Title 42 went into place. And so we've seen huge number of single adults coming to the border and trying to cross in recent months, uh, far more than normal largely as a result of Title 42. By September of last year, you know, more than a month before the U.S. election, we were already at border numbers that we had not seen in 15 years, uh, driven primarily by single adults crossing the border multiple times under Title 42. And we have continued to see single adults be the single largest group of people crossing the border. In fact, two-thirds of all border apprehensions, more than two-thirds now, were of single adults. At the same time, there is a separate phenomenon, which is the arrival of families and unaccompanied children. The number of unaccompanied children was rising across 2020 last year, but 
like families, it spiked in February and through it in March. But those numbers actually, you know, to the extent there is any sort of Biden effect from the election of, of Biden and the inauguration, that is basically over. And for the last two months in April and in May, the number of families and unaccompanied children has fallen steadily. It's now down 25% from the high in March. And that's not at all the kind of what you hear in the news. You, you hear mostly about families versus single adults. So that's really interesting. Um, so relative to years past or even time of year, besides the repeat, would those numbers be on par with previous years? If you take out the repeat crossers, is what's happening at the border a crisis? You know, I, I, I like to say that if there is a crisis, it's the crisis is in Central America and the places from which these people are fleeing. The crisis is not at the U.S. border. When we actually look at the raw numbers here, it's important to note because of this issue of people crossing the border multiple times, Customs and Border Protection doesn't actually publish the unique number of people apprehended at the border. So we can't get an exact apples to apples comparison of of unique number of people uh, apprehended at the border today versus previous years. We can say a couple of things. First, when it, when it comes to families, there continues to be significantly fewer families crossing in 2021 than crossed during 2019 uh, when the Trump administration uh, had one month where um, more than 60,000 families arrived at the border. That has not been the case, despite a lot of news reporting two to three months ago suggesting that we were likely going to surpass those numbers of families that came in 2019. That never happened. In May of 2019, 88,000 families were apprehended crossing the border. Um, in May of 2021, 44,000. So just a smidge, you know, pretty much exactly 50% by comparison. So far fewer families are coming. When we talk about unaccompanied children, there is a record number of unaccompanied children coming. And that said, however, when we talk about a record number of unaccompanied children, it's actually still only about 10% of the overall flow are unaccompanied children. And those numbers have also been falling. The Biden administration struggled a lot originally to find ways to get those children out of Border Patrol custody and um, to get them into shelters and better locations into their parents and has made a lot of progress on that effort um, and we have also seen that despite not actually changing any policies towards how unaccompanied children are treated, the number of unaccompanied children has also been falling for two months now. And then finally, among single adults, yes, we are seeing more single adults now than we've seen in more than a decade coming to the border, even when you take into account the number of people who are crossing multiple times. Just as an aside, how do we know repeat crossers if we don't have data about, you know, in terms of individuals and if we're not collecting that data, how do we know who are repeat crossers? Sorry, so I should clarify, it's more that CBP does not publish that data publicly. They do keep it for themselves internally, and they have reported that percent of people who cross multiple times. So they do fingerprint everyone who crosses the border that they apprehend. Okay. So they know these statistics. They could tell you the unique numbers. They just aren't publishing them publicly. So I don't know them. Okay. And I want to make, sorry, one one really an important point about these numbers, because I know I talk a lot about numbers, is when I say, you know, these are numbers we haven't seen in over a decade, a lot of headlines are highest border numbers in 15 years, highest border apprehensions in 20 years. 
And there is a very common mistake made by the media in these. And they say, and that is to conflate the number of people apprehended crossing the border with the number of people who are crossing the border. That's important because, of course, not every single person who crosses the border is apprehended. Some people do make it through successfully evading the border patrol. And importantly, the border patrol today is many times better, about five times better at apprehending people than it was. Um, About five times fewer people make it past the border patrol than in the past. So to, to give some comparison, the Department of Homeland Security estimates that in 2006, for instance, for every three people apprehended by the Border Patrol, another five people made it through successfully without being apprehended. So that's for every one person crossing, 2.6 people in total crossed the border for every one apprehension. Today, the apprehension rate is closer to 75 to 80 percent, which means that for every three people who are apprehended, only one person makes it through successfully. So we've gone in 15 years from for every three people apprehended, an additional five people make it through without being apprehended, to for every three person apprehended, an additional one person makes it through. So when we say if 100,000 border apprehensions today and 100,000 border apprehensions 15 years ago, despite the same number of apprehensions, that means that 15 years ago, far more people were actually crossing the border and successfully making it through than today. And a very, very quick way of like doing this as a thought experiment. Imagine in one year, 100,000 people cross the border. That year, 50,000 of them are apprehended by the Border Patrol. That means 50,000 people successfully made it past the Border Patrol. 100,000 crossed, 50,000 apprehended. The next year, 75,000 people cross the border. And the Border Patrol apprehends 75,000 of them. If you looked only at apprehensions you'd think, wow, apprehensions went up by 25,000 from first this year to the next year. Clearly, more people are coming to the border. But that actually wouldn't be the case. In the second year, not only did 25,000 people fewer come to the border, but the Border Patrol apprehended 100% of them and zero made it through. So that's why when we only focus on these apprehension numbers and ignore sort of how much harder it is today for people to make it through successfully, You get people saying things like the record number of migrants, when that's just not true. In the 1980s, 1990s, and 2000s, it was routine for two to three million people to successfully make it through the border. Um, That is not happening today. Even in the worst case scenarios that I've seen, by the end of the year, there may be about 250,000 to 300,000 people who have made it through, who have successful unlawful entries. That's a worst case scenario. That's a tenth of what it was uh, 15 years ago. Yeah, that's that's huge context that you you like you mentioned, you really don't you don't get any sense of if you're just reading the headlines or even reading the articles most of the time. Um, So I assume there are challenges to Title 42. Yes. So the ACLU has brought two two challenges to Title 42, one uh, against its use for unaccompanied children. That is the lawsuit that led to um, the Trump administration not being allowed to expel unaccompanied children. And. Another lawsuit that was brought against about the Title 42's use against families. That lawsuit is currently on hold. It's in negotiations. They're negotiating with the Biden administration over 
the outcome of that lawsuit and we don't know yet what's going to happen with that lawsuit. But that would, whatever did happen, it would only affect families. It would, it still would not have any effect of title 42 on individuals. That's right. And, and it's a weird situation where every court to have looked at this issue so far, about three different courts have looked at the issue, have all said title 42 does not allow the Trump administration or the Biden administration to use it the way they're using it. Um, But because no one has brought a lawsuit about Title 42's effect on single adults, even if a court rules again that Title 42 doesn't allow them to expel people, in this particular case, families, the Biden administration could just say, well, we disagree with the legal conclusions or we're going to keep expelling families. And so you get a situation where something, you could have multiple judges say this is illegal and until the Supreme Court or something else says, the Biden administration is just going to keep doing it. Sorry. So why would a judge even make an opinion on it if there wasn't any type of lawsuit, just as a like as an aside? Well, I mean, so if a judge ruled that Title 42 couldn't be applied to families, the legal conclusion would apply, um, you know, just the same. It's It's not like it's a different legal authority used to expel families versus used to expel single adults. It's just that the ACLU only brought a class action on behalf of families, and their class does not include single adults. If or when, at some point, Title 42 is ended, either, I guess, by the, it would have to be by the Center for Disease Control or a court, what would happen? You mentioned there aren't any deportation orders for people who are expelled, and so are there any long-term negative effects in terms of re-entry for those immigrants who are expelled? It's hard to tell. Um Likely not significant negative effects on their legal cases if they were to try to seek to come back some other way. Um, Importantly, however, we we have to keep in mind that when people are expelled back to Mexico, that puts many of them into danger. And so there are thousands of people who have been victimized, likely, after having been expelled back to Mexico. Um, The organization Human Rights First has documented around 500 cases and instances of people who were harmed after being expelled back to Mexico. And those are just publicly documented. So the true numbers are likely much higher. And so whenever this title is ended, either because COVID is essentially ended or what other reason, then we go back to the normal way of immigrants trying to make a claim to a visa or asylum coming to the border without that immediate expulsion. That's right. And importantly, it's not that ending Title 42 will suddenly fix the border. It will just restore things to the way they were, um, by and large, you know, just a couple of years ago. That means that many people who are crossing the border will be issued deportation orders. Many will go to federal jail for if they're prosecuted for illegal entry or reentry. And many will be allowed to seek asylum. And some will be sent to detention, some will be released, and some will eventually win their cases, and some will lose and be deported home. So the idea that if you hear some people say, well, if we get rid of Title 42, all would be chaos. Well, that's not true, because Title 42 is effectively brand new. It's not even been in effect for 18 months yet. You know, ending Title 42 would in some ways just restore us to the state at the border uh, just a few years ago. That said, I I don't want to 
pretend as if COVID doesn't exist anymore, despite rising vaccination rates inside the United States. Detention centers where many the Biden administration is already sending many more asylum seekers um, are hotbeds for COVID. And there is a lot of concerns about people's health. So what is needed is a, is a surge of public health resources to the border to ensure that when Title 42 goes away, that there are ways to process people safely, efficiently, and humanely. Well, Aaron, is there anything else glaring that we didn't discuss about Title 42 that would be helpful for someone who just is maybe interested in immigration generally to know? I think we always have to go back to who we're talking about here. Most of the people who are affected the most negatively by Title 42 are asylum seekers. They are often families who are fleeing their homes after they've been uh, threatened with violence by either governments or uh, corrupt police officers or MS-13 and the gangs who often operate as if they are the governments in these home countries. Others are fleeing famine, desperation, and uh, despair, especially after two hurricanes hit Central America last year and devastated huge portions of the country in ways in which, you know, will take years to rebuild from. There are many who would want you to think that we need to be afraid of these people, that they are coming here to take your jobs, you know, take your schooling, use your resources and give nothing back. The reality is, is this country has absorbed waves of refugees in the past. We've done it with Cuban refugees. We've done it with Haitian refugees. We've done it with Vietnamese refugees, Cambodian refugees, and others. And every time we do it, there are some teething issues. And in the end of the day, it is a positive for this country. We are one of you know, we are the, the world's number one superpower. And the idea that we need to be worried about a few thousand families, even tens of thousands of families who, who really just want safety, the ability to raise their children without worrying that their children are going to be taken by the gangs and murdered. That's something that any parent, you know, would want and seek out. And I, and I like to just sort of always end by talking about who were, you know, these are people. These are not faceless invading hordes. These are people who who just want a chance. And I think that we just always have to keep their humanity in mind when we talk about them. You know, these are not people we need to be afraid of. And I I think I'll I'll leave it there. Thank you so much, Aaron, for just putting into context what Title 42 is, how it works, what could potentially happen in the future. Where can people learn more about you and or the American Immigration Council? Well, so you can find us on AmericanImmigrationCouncil.org. Uh, and if you're interested in knowing sort of these, some of the broader trends I've talked about, we've got a great uh, fact sheet called Rising Border Encounters in 2021, an overview that I think is a really good place to start. You can also find me on Twitter at, at Reichlin Melnick. That's R-E-I-C-H-L-I-N-M-E-L-N-I-C-K. Thank you so much again. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Immigration. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing with family or friends and leaving a rating or review so more people can learn about this important issue. Have a great week, everyone, and let's keep talking immigration. Immigration.